Uh, not too long ago, we, had, we celebrated Good Friday. And uh, it was a beautiful time of remembering what Jesus had done for us. And here it is once again on the first Sunday of the month. This is our tradition to have communion on the first Sunday. So we invite you to partake today. Those of you at home, get a piece of bread and a cracker and some juice or water or something, and uh, you can share with us as well. But in Matthew 26, we read these words. As they were eating together, Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take and eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is the blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And there the story really picked up when Jesus was arrested and beaten and all that was involved. And then on Friday, uh, sent to the cross to die for our sins. So I want to I just lead us in, in communion today. Uh, other scriptures tell us that by his stripes we are healed. I want to pray for some healing today. I, I see our brother Doug Reagan's over there. Um, some of you are wondering, why wasn't he playing the keyboard today? That's because he cut his, his hand last week uh, doing the dishes like a good man. But uh, the jar was, uh, had an edge on it, a cracked edge, and he didn't realize that. And it cut him right here. Got a couple of stitches. I want to pray for healing for that. Um, the scripture also says to do this until Jesus comes back. So we're doing this in the meantime. As a reminder, in case anyone has forgotten, Jesus is coming back. And this is a reminder of that. Scripture also says let a person examine himself before he partakes. And I always like to tell people, you don't need to be a member of this church to have communion with us. You have to be a member of the church. In other words, you have to have you know, received Christ, have a good relationship with the Lord, and, uh, and, and trying, striving to serve the Lord to the best of your ability. So we have a, a short video clip. I want to show this now. And let's just use it as a time to reflect and kind of get our hearts right with the Lord before we partake together.
your side. Now our hearts are one. I give up everything to make my heart your home. My fears and dreams. You're building communion with me. When we are together, I can clearly see you're alone. My vision, you are all I need. Love is who you. is who you are. You are all that I need. Every head bowed just for a moment. Let's just close in with the Lord for a moment before we go any farther. I just wonder if there's someone here this morning that feels like in your heart of hearts that you need to make some things right with God before you partake of communion today. Maybe receive him. Maybe renew your covenant relationship with him. Is there anyone? Just raise your hand quickly if that's you. Just want to give you a chance to respond to the Lord today. Okay. Praise the Lord. Well, we read the scripture. Let's give thanks for the broken body of Christ. Lord God, we, uh, we're reflecting now, not only on Good Friday, but just the whole experience of your, your going to the cross. You allowing your body to be broken and, and hit and abused. Lord, we know from scriptures, and we've said them recently, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. Lord, we know somebody had to die for our sin. And it was you. You came, Jesus, you came for that purpose, to die for our sins. And that scripture goes on to say, but the free gift in God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. So, Lord, thank you for allowing your body to die on that cross taking the punishment that we rightly deserve. We give you thanks and give you praise. And Lord, as we partake of the elements today, we're going to pray for uh, just a, 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 a renewal in our spirit, a renewal in our body, a renewal in our mind. We pray, Lord, that the healing associated with the atonement would truly be ours today. By your stripes, we are healed. We're made well by the abuse that you took. So, Lord, let that become a reality in our lives today. But we thank you for your broken body. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's partake of the bread together. And not to mention the blood of Jesus that covers our sin. You know, this past week, Pamela and I took a trip to New York to visit my mom down in Rye, New York. And uh, sometimes when I'm there, I, I try to meet up with some old friends of mine. And I did. And as we were having a, a late breakfast that day, 
I said to my, my three buddies, I said, how's your faith? How's your faith? And one of my good friends said, he said, you know, Rick, I, I'm really a good guy. I, I haven't done anything wrong. I'm, I, I obey the law and everything. It was a perfect opportunity for me to say, have you done anything wrong in your life? One thing. If you did one thing wrong, the blood of Jesus is for you. He said, oh, yeah, I've done more than one thing wrong. I said, listen, we could all be as good as we could be. We'll never be good enough. We all have a problem. It's called sin. And that's why the blood comes to wash us clean and to make us new. And I I would add, it's not just a one-time deal. It's a consistent relationship with the Lord that forgives and mends and heals and strengthens. So let's thank the Lord for his blood that covers our sin. Amen. Father, Lord God, thank you. Lord, we'll thank you for the physical healing. We'll thank you for the emotional healing. We'll thank you for the guidance that you give us and all that's involved. But Lord, most importantly, we're going to thank you for covering our sin, for taking our sin. You don't see our sin anymore when it's covered by the blood. So we thank you, Lord, that we have access to your very presence through the blood of the Lamb, which covers And hides away our sin. Thank you, Lord, for making a way for us. It wasn't the the lamb offering. It wasn't the grain offering. It wasn't trying to be good enough. It was what you did on Calvary. So thank you, Lord, for your shed blood that covers our sin today. We give you thanks and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's partake of the cup together. Amen and amen. Dear Lord, uh, we thank you for this day. Thank you for our time of worship. Thank you for our time of communion. And uh, Lord, we do want to pray for those that need your touch today. Our brother Doug, Lord, touch him, heal his hand. Let him be well. Let it not affect his life, his ministries, his uh, ministry here at the church as well. Let it heal completely without any complications. Let him have full movement as soon as possible. Lord, we pray for our brother Adrian. We thank you for him. Uh, Lord, we hear, we hear good reports that treatments are working. He seems to be doing okay. Now he's relocating to Texas. We just pray, Lord, your blessing upon his travels. Uh, let him get the help he needs down there. Let him ha- have a good reunion with his mom and his, his family there. And uh, we just pray, Lord, for continued healing in his life. Lord, we also want to pray for anyone dealing with COVID or, or cancer or any respiratory problems, Lord God, bring healing in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, we want to thank you for your word right now and pray your blessing over this sermon today, Lord. Let it bring hope to our hearts. Let it bring life to our spirit. And let it magnify your name, O God. We pray that you would be pleased with the proclamation of your word today and that your people will benefit from it. We'll be better off because we heard it today. Lord, anoint me with your spirit to bring forth what you put on my heart to share today. And we thank you and praise you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen Amen and amen. So anyway, take your Bibles and turn with me to 2 John. Now some of you are saying, wow, praise the Lord, we're out of 1 John. We've been in 1 John since October. And then, then we had uh, Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday and last Sunday. And didn't Stacy do a great job last week? That was a great word. I, I've been meaning, I want to send that out through our email to everyone. 
Uh, I want everyone to really hear that message. But a great, great day last week. But anyway, we're in 2 John today. And uh, we'll be here for a couple of weeks. Um, We're going to look at the first four verses of uh, 2 John. And uh, so... Welcome back to the epistles of John. You'll notice real quickly here that uh, 2 John has uh, only 13 verses. 3 John has 14 verses, if you look over there. But um, this is the, the shortest epistle, 2 John. But it's a very powerful epistle. It's a very succinct, very precise word uh, that, the, that, the, that John is speaking to either a particular person or to a particular group of people at the church, at the local church there. Uh, remember John, this is John the Apostle. He's now, uh, as the scholars would say, in his 90s. He's an older man at this point. He's probably settled in Ephesus. He's probably taking care of Mary, the mother of Jesus, as church history tells us. He's probably... Uh, he's probably there after being released from the island of Patmos where he had the revelation if this John is the same as that John that's mentioned and most people think that it is. The time frame is about 90 AD. And uh, in my Bible, I have an outlined uh, version in my Bible, it's pretty clear. The first part is a salutation. The second part is walking in truth and walking in love. The third part is addressing the false teachers And the last part is the benediction. So I'm going to read the first four verses and then uh, get into this a little bit. So it starts like this. The elder. The elder. To the elect lady and her children. We have to talk about that. Whom I love in truth. And not only I, but also all those who have known the truth. Because of the truth which abides in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with you from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and in love. I rejoice greatly that I have found some of your children walking in truth as we receive commandment from the Father. Um, I want to emphasize this, that you may remember as we studied 1 John, John sometimes would reiterate certain words or phrases. Uh, we saw that in the first, uh, first letter where he would say, we know, you know, certain things like five times he said, we know, we know, we know. He said, we bear witness or certain things bear witness three or four times. He said, we have confidence three or four times. And, and in this epistle, there's a few words that he uses repeatedly. I just want to go over them with you real quickly because it gives us an idea of what this is about. So verse number one, if you look in your Bible, now I'm using New King James, so I didn't check the NIV or any other. But in my uh, New King James version, the word truth is mentioned two times. I love in truth and we have known the truth. Verse two, verse two it says, because of the truth. Verse number three says at the end, uh, grace, mercy, and peace will be with you in truth and in love. And in verse number four, I rejoice greatly uh, that we found some children walking in truth. So the word truth is very important in this epistle. There's another word that he, that's repeated a lot. It, that's the word love. Verse number one, I love in truth. 
Verse number three, uh, grace, mercy, and peace will be with you in truth and love. Verse number five, uh, I, I plead with you um, that you love one another. And verse number six, uh, this is love that we walk according to his commandments. So truth and love are very important in this epistle. Another word that he repeats a lot is the word abide in verse number two. Um, because of the truth which abides in us. And verse number nine, it says, whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ. So the word abiding and the principle of abiding is very important. Uh, The word doctrine is repeated a few times. Verses nine and ten. Whoever does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does uh, does not have God. Uh, he who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. And then the other word is walk. We see that in verses 4 and verse 6. Uh, I greatly rejoice I found some of your children walking in truth. And in verse number 6, uh, this is love that we walk according to his commandments. So these, these, these are key words in the epistle. Truth, love, abide, doctrine, and walking. So truth, knowing what we believe, knowing what the truth is, loving each other, abiding in the truth, knowing the doctrines that the Lord gave us, and and walking a daily walk with the Lord. So I've entitled the message today, Walk in Truth. So we're going to go through verses 1 through 4, and then make some application at the end. So let's start at the very top. The very first words are the elder. He doesn't address himself. He just says the elder. To the elect lady and her children. And um, we read in 1 John 5, actually, verse, verse, first, I'm sorry, 1 Peter 5, verse 1, Peter addresses himself in the same way that he's an elder. So John and Peter, mature, seasoned, proven, walking with Jesus, having walked with Jesus, now walking with the Holy Spirit. Now it's like 90 AD. From 33 AD, they've been walking with the Lord for 57 years or so. I would think that John and Peter have something to say. So John, John the elder, he says, to the elect lady and her children. Now, there's some, some uh, problem with this phrase because some scholars think that it's a literal person, a lady and her kids. Some people think that it's a figurative uh, figure, figure of speech that is referring to the local church there and the ministries that that church birthed. And some people think that, well, because of persecutions going on, no names are mentioned. John's name isn't mentioned. And the lady's name isn't mentioned if it is, in fact, the lady. And the children's names aren't mentioned either. But uh, anyway, it, the, the elect lady, so it's someone special. I, personally, I, I believe it's referring to a literal person. I say that because if you go to 3 John, there's a few names mentioned in that epistle that are very obvious. Why they're not mentioned in this epistle is somewhat of a mystery, although it could be because John was trying to protect the person and everyone would have known who he was talking about anyway. It was an elect lady with kids, Probably someone prominent, someone important, someone that everyone knew who he was talking about. But I'm going to stand with the idea that this is to a a real person instead of being figurative of a church and the birthing of other ministries through that local church. So he says, uh, to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth. 
And not only I, but all those who have known the truth love you as well, love you and your children as well. Verse number two, because of this truth which abides in us. So John, John here is the leader, the elder, the mature one, the aged one, the seasoned one, reaching out and looking out for someone, addressing either the lady and her children or the church and her ministries, whom he loves in truth. And so this epistle is motivated by love and truth, which is a good thing, isn't it? I mean, it must be, it should be. But let's talk about love for just a minute. This is the agape love of God. The unconditional, sacrificial, never-ending love of God. It's God's love being poured out through people. We call it body ministry or agape love locally within the body of Christ. And the truth that he's talking about here, the truth gives boundaries and guidance for the love. Love is, is therefore directed in a certain way. So when John says in verse number one, I love, I love you in truth. What he's saying is, I love you God's way. I love you according to God's word. I love you according to God's voice. I love you in the gospel. I love you for the gospel. I love you based on the gospel. And this sets the tone for the rest of the epistle because in verses five and six, if you just look quickly, he's, he's pleading with this person to love other people. It's very important for you to love other people in verses seven, eight, and nine, because there's faulty doctrine floating around. And although you love people, you have to be discerning not to accept the false doctrine that someone may say, well, I love everybody. I'm going to love them and accept them, accept them. He's saying, no, you have to love them, but you have to be discerning. So there's love and there's truth. Let me try to give an example of this. I thought about a a way to explain this. If person A offends person B, and person B is literally upset, shaken, uh, hurt, person C comes along and sees the problem. And based on love and truth, Ephesians 4.15 says, speak the truth in love that they may become mature. So person C comes along, addresses person A, tells them what the problem is, and person A gets it, and person A goes to person B and asks for forgiveness and, and, and so on, and, and person B forgives person A. There's love and truth in that setting, and there's healing in that setting. But I wonder if you could sense the tension if it's not done the right way. Maybe some of you have been in a situation where uh, someone was trying to speak loving or truth to you, but didn't have the love behind it. So the words came out the wrong way or the look on your face came out the wrong way. And so the truth that you're trying to explain was was marred and disrupted by the lack of love that you thought was there, but really wasn't there. But when there's truth and love together, There's an opportunity for great healing. So love and truth has to be kind and gracious and life-giving, yet focused and direct and based upon God's word. So 2 John 1.1, we see John says, I love in truth. I love you in truth. I'm speaking life, direction, and guidance to you with the hope that this person will receive what he's about to say. The point about this is, 
I like the idea that there's an elder involved. And sometimes we forget that elders, pastors, leaders, etc. are important and speak life to other people. We would do well to listen to the elders in our lives. Verse number two says this, that uh, this truth uh, abides in us and it'll be with us forever. This is the, the posture of a Christian person. That when we receive Christ, we have truth in us. Let me just digress for just a moment. Uh, Wednesday night, our brother Doug uh, took care of Wednesday night in the Word. And uh, Pamela and I were on the way home from New York. And I, we were watching it on, on the uh, live stream. That Word was so good, so clear. That when we come to Christ, there's an element of truth that we're exposed to God. We're wide open before the Lord. We try to hide it. We try to sneak around it. But we can't get away from being under the microscope of the Lord. But this is our position. We stand in the truth. We live in the truth. And so I just thought about that. And Ephesians chapter 6 tells us to stand against the wiles of the devil. Having done all you can do, stand up. Put on the belt of truth around your waist, but stand in God. Acts chapter 2, we read that Peter, now filled with the Holy Spirit, stood up with the eleven and began proclaiming the word of God. So we, we have this truth within us. We have truth within us. Let me go a little bit deeper with this. If you want to turn here, you can. But John chapter 18 We have a very interesting dialogue with Jesus and a ruler by the name of Pontius Pilate. Anyone know who he is? He washed his hands and sent them out to be crucified. But in John 18, verse 35, listen to this. Pilate said to Jesus in, in in this interrogation, I'm a Jew. Your own nation and the chief priest have delivered you to me. And he says to Jesus, what have you done? What a great question. Pilate's saying to Jesus, what have you done to deserve this? And at this point, if you know the, the story, Jesus is already, has already been beaten, whipped, and scourged. And he looks, he looks terrible. And he's standing before Pilate. And Pilate says, look, your people delivered you to me. What have you done to deserve all this? And Jesus says in verse number 36, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. And Pilate says to him, are you a king then? And Jesus said, you say rightly that I'm a king. For this cause I was born and for this cause I have come into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. The truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. And then Pilate answers and says to him, what is truth? What is truth? Let me give you a little idea of where we're going with this. The truth of the matter is humanity has fallen. Humanity is broken. Have you watched the news lately? I mean... I mean, I'm just saying it in 2022. I could have said it 10 years ago, 50 years ago. doesn't matter. Do you see what's going on in the world? 
the crime, the war, the violence, the moral failure, the greed, the angst, the problems, the, the, the hatred. And Jesus came to redeem humanity from all of that and to establish a new kingdom. And when we say yes to the Lord, we're stepping out of one kingdom and going into another kingdom. So when John writes, I'm addressing you in love and in truth, what he's saying is, I'm not speaking to you as the world would speak to you. I'm speaking to you with an agape love, but I'm speaking to you with the guidelines that God has put into place. We're in a new kingdom with different priorities at this point. Faith is the ticket. Faith is the only way to get into this kingdom through Jesus Christ. So let me ask the church today. Let me ask those of you at home today. Are you in the truth or, or more biblically accurate? Is the truth in you? Is the truth in you? Let me break it down. Do you see your ongoing need of a savior? Some of you are saying, man, I'm, I'm beyond that, Pastor Rick. I say, you know what? How, how far away are you from that? Because if you get too far away from that, you're, you're dabbling in areas that are dangerous. We're in a constant need of a Savior. Every single day. Brother Doug said something the other night. I don't know if you caught it. He was talking about the heart. He said, he said do you realize how wicked your heart is? Even after you're saved, it's still wicked. You know, it's redeemed. But we all have this tendency to go back. And just like that, man, we could get right back into some some sinful area. Do you see the continuing problem we have in crucifying our own flesh? Oh, it's easy to tell somebody else what they have to do. Oh, man, I could see that. You have to do this, 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 and this. But don't talk about my problems. But do you see the battle in keeping ourselves on the cross? Do you see your wicked heart? Do you see your wicked soul? Have you ever noticed how, listen to this, how we systematically connive or plot or ponder ways to circumvent the word of God in our particular situation? Are you with me in that? I don't know if you, if you got that. We are so smart. We know what we have to do, but we think of ways to get around it because we want to do it. And still say in God's good graces, this is a problem. But, but the truth of the, the word burns away all of that. Hopefully it will. But see, the, the truth is everything in our lives must be subjected to the cross. Everything. Only Jesus, his sacrifice, can fix what's wrong with us. I think Doug had said, or I heard it recently, something that I say sometimes. In, in some ways, the day I received the Lord, I wish I died and went to heaven. Just <laughs> erased 40 years of my life, I went to heaven. Accepted Jesus, died and went to heaven. That sounds like a good deal. Oh, did you say, Stacy? I think you heard it from me. <laughs> but anyway, here we are, you know. We're, we're fighting this fight. So... In verses 1 and 2, back to the epistle, John, John the elder, the leader, the mature voice speaking to this person that we love you and we're going to love you in truth. And the truth of the matter, as we get into the epistle, the truth of the matter is you've got to stay in love with God and in love with people. 
And in spite of the false doctrine and the false teachers you hear, you can love them, but you can't love them like, like I'm talking about because they're, they're, they're in the false uh, teaching of the word. You can't love them like that. You can maybe correct them and, and, and you know, speak to them. You can't embrace them. They're preaching a different gospel. And that's where it gets to be difficult because most of us have a tender heart. We want to accept everybody and everything that comes down the pike. Well, we, we accept it, we hear it, but in our heart of hearts, we have to be able to discern that's not right. I mean, when I was out with my friends the other day, I love these guys, but I had, the, I had the wherewithal to say kindly, you know, you could be a great guy, but you know what? There has to be one thing you did wrong, which led to a whole conversation about, about God. It was really a great conversation. And they were telling me things. They, they used to watch, or they still watch the movies, Jesus of Nazareth and, I don't know, the robe, different movies, that tell the story of the gospel. And they knew all these different things. And they, one of them mentioned uh, Barabbas, you know. So that motivated me to find that clip of Barabbas that we show on Good Friday. I sent it to my friends. I said, here's a hint. We're all Barabbas. We all deserve to die. But Barabbas walked free. Jesus took his place. We walked free. And so that's the point. But that, that's truth in love. I mean, I could say, I could say, look, I love these guys or I love people. So I'm not going to get into anything. I love them too much. That would be the wrong kind of a love. You see what I'm saying? Like if we really love people, we're going to figure out a way to speak and to act and to communicate the love of God. Ultimately, that's the bottom line. If we say, oh, I, I don't want to hurt anybody because I love them. That's not really loving them. So we speak the truth in love, Ephesians 4.15, so that the person may become mature and grow in their faith. So, okay, so let's look at verse number, verse number three. I, I love verse number three. We're going to close with this in a little bit. But he, he continues speaking with, with more truth and more love. He says, grace, mercy, and peace will be with you from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and in love. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with you from God the Father and, and his Son in truth and in love. For that I say, thank you, Jesus. You know, grace, what is grace? Unmerited favor, undeserved blessings from God. It's God's agape love for us. He loves us in spite of ourselves. His grace. We're saved by grace. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. We're, we're saved by grace through faith, but we're saved by his grace. And mercy is available. Mercy is not receiving what we deserve. Amen? Some of you heard my story about the church key. I won't tell you the long version. I'll tell you the short version. But when I was a little kid, I stole the church key. I confessed. I, I did. I stole it. And what it was, it wasn't to the front door. It was to another door that went up to a really weird staircase up to the tower. And I loved going up to the tower. I could see for miles around. But I had the church key. There's a little skeleton key, skeleton key. You know, the, the antique. Man, I was the coolest kid in the class. I had the key. Well, one day somebody must have found out because what they did was 
they had all the boys, I think it was in grade 7 and grade 8, this is a parochial school, had to go up to the upstairs locker room because Mr. McHugh, the gym teacher, was going to pat us down looking for the key. They knew somebody had the key. I had the key in my pocket on that day. Man, I was so nervous. I kept going to the back of the line. <laughs> like an hour went by, you know. Here's Mr. McHugh patting everybody down. You know, go, and, I, and I'm get up there and I, tell, I go up in the back. And I <laughs> Finally, I'm the last guy left. And I'm thinking, oh no, my father's going to kill me. And, and Mr. McHugh, I, to this day, I don't know. He never found the key. I think he had mercy on me. I think he could tell I was a nervous wreck and it wasn't that big of a deal to him. I think. I'm not sure. But I should have been punished for stealing the key. My parents, I think I did tell her eventually, like last year. (laughs) Ma, remember that key? (laughs) But I, I should have been punished but I got, I didn't get the punishment I deserved. He, he, he patted me down really lightly. I remember he said, okay, go ahead. I walked away saying, how in the world did he not find that key? And I said, he must have just given me a pass. But that's mercy. I deserve to be punished, but I, he gave me mercy. So there's grace and there's mercy. And then there's peace, peace with God. Romans 5, 1 says, we've been justified by faith, therefore we have peace with God through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We have peace with God. So, uh, once we were enemies with, verse number 3, once we were enemies with God, now we're friends of God. Now we're sons and daughters of God. We're no longer against God or opposed to God, nor is he opposed to us. He is for us, not against us. So there's grace and mercy and peace will be with you from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ in love and truth. And to me, this is a recipe for absolute victory and deliverance and healing. Because there's grace still here for us. I mean, we're saved by grace. I don't know about you. I need grace every single day of my life. And there's still grace available for us. I need mercy. (laughs) More than that day, I need God's mercy on me every single day of my life. And I certainly need God's peace. And all that is still available. I want to tell you, church, don't let sin rob you of God's power to mend you and to fix you. Don't allow sin to be this insurmountable mountain. God took care of the sin problem. Just trust the Lord to deliver you. And here's another thing. Don't let people, even Christian people, get in the way of your walk with God. There's grace, mercy, and peace available for you today. Today. And notice in verse number three, that the grace, the mercy, and the peace is buffeted by those two words, love and truth. So it's not like, you know, anything goes. There's grace and mercy. Anything goes. Well, wait a minute. If there's love and truth buffeting the grace and the mercy and the peace, it's like, you know what? Your sin, my sin is never acceptable to God. 
It's never permissible. It's never, it's never excusable. Truth is the underlying standard that tells us what you did was wrong. Deal with it. Confess it, move on, whatever, but deal with it and get on with your life. Whereas grace and mercy and peace without love and truth will just be like, oh, do whatever you want to do. Who cares? There's forgiveness. But no, the truth says, okay, so you did that. Now let's talk about how you can get better, how you can get the healing or the the deliverance that you need. Jesus said it best. You, You know this. If you want to follow me, deny yourself. Pick up your, your cross, whatever your cross is. We all have different crosses. You know, we could talk about what, what, it is, what is it that's your stumbling block or your issue. You know, we all have it. Maybe we have a couple, but deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow after me. Can I tell you this? When we deny ourselves, there's grace and mercy and peace available to help us to deny ourselves. When, uh, when we pick up our cross... You know how hard that is sometimes? There's grace to help us. There's mercy to help us. There's peace to help us carry our cross. And when we follow the Lord, and you know it's, sometimes it's not easy to follow the Lord, to do it his way. I mean, I'm out with these guys on the other day. I could have easily slipped back into saying, yeah, you're a good guy. Forget about it. You're a great guy. Just slip back into the, the, the way of the world and everything's okay. But no, there's... When we follow the Lord, there's grace, there's mercy, and there's peace available for us. I just want to encourage you, church, live in verse number three. And then verse number four, just to round out this little section, kind of like comes out of a strange place here in a way. He says, I rejoice greatly that I found some of your children walking in truth as we receive commandment from the Father. I find it interesting that John the Elder is saying to this woman and her and her kids i'm rejoicing because your kids are walking in the truth which reminds me wasn't that a great prayer that lily said this morning i mean come on you have to love the children of the church but we should be rejoicing too when our children are serving the lord a fellow a missionary called me the other day we were talking about i've known him for a number of years and I told him, yeah, my, my daughter shared the message last Sunday. He said, man, you must have been so proud of your daughter. I said, man, you don't know how proud I was of my daughter. Sharing the word of God. Living for Jesus. Just living for Jesus. But literally, the, verse number four, uh, we should be focusing on children being a blessing of the Lord. They must be taught the word of God. And I, I would say this, and I, I don't mean to brag on my grandkids, but I'm going to. If you ever watch Tuesday talk or Thursday, I don't even need to be there anymore. I, I, I don't. Jack, Jack is, how old is Jack? 10? 11. He's 11? Or will be 11? He'll be 12. Oh, wow. Where did that time go? Speaking of Jack, we have this routine that we, we've been doing for years. I see him from the distance. He comes running over to Pop as fast as he can. And he jumps in my arms, and I swing him around, and I catch him in the back, and I dance around. Well, we did that the other day, except that he was running so fast with his hands clenched, and he caught me right in the eye. And he's not a little boy anymore. I thought something happened. I've been seeing spots ever since, believe me. 
But anyway, Tuesday talk, Jack knows the word of God. Jack and Ella taught on the fruit of the spirit when we were in New York. I'm, I'm listening to this. Amen. How do these kids know all this stuff? Thank you, Dan and Stacy, for teaching them. But they, they could handle a lot. Ella on Thursday, man, God bless her. She's 10. We'll be 11. This girl is beyond her years. What I'm saying is, don't underestimate the ability of a child to know the truth. Sometimes we hold back, oh, they don't know. They know. They know more than we know that they know. They know more than we think they know. Believe me when I tell you. They pick up on things. They, they're like sponges. They take it in. Okay, so let me, let me give you these couple of things here. This will be quick. Everyone say quick. <laughs> now, now, under your breath, say, Lord God, help Pastor Rick be quick because I got to go home. I got to get out of here. So walk in truth. This is the four things I want to share with you. The first thing is this. Understand the role of an elder. Understand the role of a pastor. Understand the role of leaders in the church. Ephesians 4 says that Jesus Christ has given to the church some to be called apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. So here John is playing the role as an elder, as a leader, someone speaking life into somebody. Now, you, many of you know, I, I've been doing this a long time. Pamela and I have been in ministry since 1987. Senior pastor since 1993. We've been around the block a few times. And we've heard a lot of stuff. As my missionary friend said the other day, he said, he said Rick, you're still doing it. You're, you're, you're more than a conqueror. You made it through. I said, well, I'm not done yet. But yeah, I've been doing it a long time. But we've heard everything. We've seen a lot of things. But I'm telling you, the, the role of an elder is crucial to the body of Christ. It's God's idea, by the way. And just to throw in a personal note, I realize I, I'm a pastor. I know how hard it is for pastors to deal with the outside forces of Internet pastors and uh, national ministries that are speaking life into everybody all over the place, downplaying the local church aspect. But nonetheless, the local church is still God's way. I always say, when somebody's sick, uh, what's his name's not going to come visit you from Texas or wherever. It's going to be your local pastor that's going to come visit you and pray for you. So look at verse number 12 real quick. I love this about John. He says, having many things to write to you, I did not wish to do so with paper and ink, but I hope to come to you and speak face to face so that our joy may be full. In other words, he, he's, he's saying a lot in this epistle, but he's saying, I, I'm an elder to you. I'm a pastor to you. I've got more to say to you. I don't want to write it down. I don't want to spend some time with you. This is the role of a pastor, of an elder. Number two is this, verse, verse 1b. To have genuine care for other people. Genuine, what I mean by genuine is speaking the truth in love. So John is speaking into this person's life. He's saying, I love you in the truth. I, I want what's best for you. And I wonder, church, if you ever, if you feel this or if you see this or if you ever experience this. Uh, have, you, have you received it? Have you given it to others? Um. John goes on, we're still in the number two, but in verse number four, he says, I greatly rejoice that some of your kids are walking after the Lord. 
That's a personal investment right there. Genuinely, genuinely caring for people. Verse number five, he says, I plead with you, love one another. Verse number eight, he says, I, I love you enough to, to speak truth to you. There's some false teachers out there. Don't listen to them. But to be genuinely concerned with other people. James 1.27, and by the way, I sent out an email this week from another pastor because there was a seminar Saturday regarding uh, Christian uh, foster care. And I just put it out there, whoever was interested could go. But James 1.27 says, pure and undefiled religion is this, that you visit the orphans and take care of widows. And keep yourself unspotted from the world. Part of our Christian mandate is to care for people. To love people. Speak truth and love to people. But to take care of some needs as well. John 13, Jesus said, you know this. A new commandment I give you. That you love one another. One another. This is love in the church. Before we can go out there with the love of God. That would be kind of hypocritical, wouldn't it? We're taking the gospel out there, but we don't have love in here. Love starts at home. It has to start here. So we love one another. We care for one another. And then we take this love out there. Verse number number three is this. Uh, The truth is already in us. If you're a Christian person, you have truth in you. That's why, like, if you hear... Somebody preach or teach and is bearing witness with you, your heart is saying, yeah, that's right. That's right. Amen. Because it's bearing witness with you. And uh, that's, that's the goal, actually, what I preach. I want, I want what I'm saying to bear witness with everyone. Call it a Holy Ghost anointing. Call it wisdom. Call it an awareness of God. But have you ever felt conviction of something? That's the truth that's in you saying that's not right. You ever feel compassion for someone? Well, that's the truth in you that's making you see with the eyes of the Lord. You ever feel a compulsion to do something or not do something or to say something or not say something? That's because the truth is in you. I thought about another analogy here. Everyone knows the story of the the widow's might. You know, she's had a little bit of money and she gave it. And Jesus said, see that woman? She gave more than anybody else because she gave all that she had. And everyone else was like making big fanfare. They gave all this money. Well, no, this woman gave, she gave the most out of everyone because she gave all that she had. And the Lord just spoke to me about that little example. And, and he said, you know what? There are some people that have more emotionally to give or more spiritually to give. Or more, some people are, can, can deal with things more than others. Some people don't have the capacity to go out the extra, extra, extra mile to give to somebody. But they give what they can do. And so the Lord is just saying, listen, just care for people. In your own lane, in your own way, care for people. You may not be like uh, Mother Teresa or someone, you know. But you can do something to help somebody. I always say, you know what I say. A simple hello is a blessing. Just having, maybe make plans for a cup of coffee is a blessing with somebody. You don't have to, you know, reinvent the wheel is what, what you do. Just care for people and, and try to speak truth into people. So, so the truth is already in us. 
I was going to talk a little bit, bit about the Word of God, because the Word of God illumines that truth within us. The Word of God is called a, a, a lamp unto our feet, a light to our path. It's called a fire in our bones. It's called a seed that grows. It's called a hammer that breaks us. It's called a sword that pierces us. Let the Word of God reveal the truth that's already in you. I mean, come on. When I accepted the Lord, just like when you accepted the Lord... I didn't know a whole lot about the Word of God, but when I read the Word of God after I accepted the Lord, it was bearing truth in my spirit. It was confirming what I kind of experienced already, but it was like showing me this is the truth. That's why you feel the way that you feel. Number four is this. Grace, mercy, and peace, what does it say? Will be with you. Man, Grace, mercy, and peace will accompany us from the moment of salvation until we cross over to the other side and we're with the Lord. When he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Grace saved us, mercy comforted us, and peace enveloped us at the beginning. But these qualities continue to work in our lives. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with you with love and with truth. I wonder if anyone needs a little bit of grace today. If anyone needs a little bit of mercy today. I wonder if anybody needs a little bit of peace today. You see, that's one of the functions of the church, isn't it? To bring people into a relationship with with the Lord where we all can sense God's grace. Unmerited favor. We could sense his mercy. Not getting reprimanded for something or dis- or, or punished for something, he, he, he lets us go and have peace with God in the midst of this crazy world where there's so much tension and aggravation. Church should be a place where we sense God's peace in a great, great way. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23 says, uh, through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. He is my portion. Therefore, I have hope in him. I have hope in God because his mercy is there for me every single morning and for you. I love John 3.17. We know John 3.16. But John 3.17 says, For the Son of God did not come into the world to condemn the world but that through him the world might be saved. Jesus didn't come to condemn anybody. He came to give grace and mercy and peace. With love and truth, he'll hold us accountable, but it's all for our betterment, for our healing of of body, soul, and spirit. And the last thing, just verse number four, I just want to say the next generation, the next generation is right now. The next generation is right now. Love our kids, love your kids, love your grandkids, even if they sock you in the eye by mistake. Listen, Jack was crying over this thing. He felt so terrible. I said, Jack, we've done this for years and years, and this is the first time it happened. We're doing pretty good. (laughs) He felt a lot better after that. But listen, teach the children. If you have grandkids, oh, what an opportunity. Just... Model a Christian life to your grandkids or your kids. We have another little granddaughter, Scarlett, a year and a couple of months old. Our, 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 our words to her is, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Pop loves you. 
Jesus loves you. And all we can do, we just praying over her, just, you know, seize the moment while you have the moment. Engage kids. Don't provoke them to anger, Paul says. Get them involved. Uh, and listen, when kids get excited about the Lord, the whole church gets excited about the Lord. Jesus said it best when all the kids came to him one day. The apostle said, no, go, don't bother him. And Jesus said, shh, let the kids come to me. For as such is the kingdom of heaven. Humble, innocent, unassuming, smart, taking it all in. He laid hands on them and he blessed them. This is the kingdom of God. So let's embrace the kids and, and, uh, and, and speak, you know, speak truth to them. So in, in conclusion, uh, why don't we stand together? We could do this together. In conclusion, church, let's walk in truth. Okay, let's walk in truth. We have elders, we have leadership. Let's care for people. Uh, let's recognize the fact that there's already truth in us. I mean, if you need someone to tell you something, all right, but there's truth in all of us already. Keep walking in grace and mercy and peace and keep an eye out for the next generation and give them opportunity. I wanted to close by reading verse number three. It's on the screen up there. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with you from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and in love. Can we say it together? Grace, mercy, and peace will be with you from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and in love. One more time. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with you from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and in love. Amen. Every head bowed for just a moment. Praise God. Praise God. We're called upon by the Lord to walk in truth. He has everything in place for us to do it. All we have to do is do it now. It's all in place. The table's set. I just want to give someone an opportunity. Is there anyone that just feels like that verse number three, that grace and that mercy, that peace, somehow has eluded you? And you're not feeling the grace. You're not feeling the mercy. You're not feeling the peace. But today, you realize it's there. It's just clouded right now. And, and I want to give you an opportunity to step into that grace, step into that mercy, step into that peace that God has for you through Jesus Christ. So I'm not going to make a big to-do about it, but if there's anyone, raise your hand just so I can see. Anyone need that grace? And that mercy, listen, my hand is up, church. If you don't, my hand is up. I need it. I need grace. I need mercy. And I need peace. All right. Well, let me pray. Father God, thank you, Lord, for this day. Lord, this has been a good day in your house. There was singing and praising and there were prayers. There was communion. There was a reflection on the cross. We had the kids being dismissed in beautiful prayer by one of our children. 
Then we got into your word. And Lord, it was a good, a good passage of scripture. Help us, Lord, to walk in truth. All those words, truth, love, abide, doctrine, walk. Lord, help us to do that. Help us to remember that we've been transferred from the kingdom of this world to the new kingdom of God. We have a different authority. We have a different leader. We have a different way about us. And Lord, sometimes the the, the lines are blurred and we cross over and we go back and forth and we pick up our bad ways again. But Lord God, let there be grace. Let there be mercy. Let there be peace in love and in truth that we could be the best people that you want us to be in these last days. And Lord, we're not forgetting that, yes, all this stuff is happening in the world today and we're still thinking, Lord, are you coming back? Are you coming back soon? Well, Lord, we want to be ready. We want the bride of Christ to be ready when you return. So Lord, help us to walk in truth. Lord, those that raise their hands today, bless them. Speak to their hearts. Let them be encouraged, Lord, by your Holy Spirit, that you who started a good work are faithful to complete that work until the day of Jesus Christ. So, Lord, we welcome you to continue that work. Yes, there will be some repercussions. There may be some some conversations we have to have with some people. There may be some moments of truth where we have to own up to some things. But, Lord God, let it all be for the good, that we would be in good standing with you. As that epistle says, Lord, that we could love one another and that we could discern the truth from the lie. Let us live in the truth and let us know the lie when we see it. So, Lord, I pray your blessing over the congregation. I pray blessings over those at home today. I pray your blessing, Lord, over the children downstairs and our workers. We thank you for them. Let us have a good rest of the day. And let us have a great week, Lord, as we serve you in spirit and in truth. We give you all the praise. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen and amen. Well, God bless you. Uh, if anyone needs prayer, the altars are open. Uh, but have a great day. Join us at live stream prayer at 6 o'clock. God bless you.